How's it going, everybody? My name's Kyle Brotherson. This is the Dirt Bike Channel Podcast. <laughs> it's January. It's 2022. And we're talking about the 2022 Honda CRF 450RX. I want to show you, I want to share with you some of my initial impressions of the bike. I've now been able to ride the bike twice. So there's around four or five motor hours on it. I, I didn't look at it. Uh, it's still sitting in the trailer all dirty because it's January. It hardly got dirty at all. I just went on a ride with my boys out to the desert. Um, and we didn't see any water. So the bike is just dusty and then it's been cold. And I've been doing other projects. So the bike is still sitting in the trailer. Weight is off the suspension, but uh, it's actually it's on the kickstand as well. <laughs> So she's just sitting in there waiting for some love, waiting for me to come in there and take care of her, which I will. Hopefully even today, uh, certainly if not today, tomorrow, I'll get in there and wash that bike up and get it ready for the third ride. Actually, now I'm ready for an oil change. So sometimes I'll do an oil change right after the first ride. This time, first ride was very, very short. Um, I'm going to drop the oil now and, uh, and then begin working on the bike. And honestly, a lot of things change once I start working on the bikes and maintaining the bikes. I'll get into that a little bit here in just a second when we talk about air filters and things like that. Uh, but you, you really start to learn a lot about a bike when you, when you live with it and when you have to maintain it. I've already adjusted my chain twice, um, you know, and then I'm gonna start messing with the air filter, which I think is going to be kind of a pain in the bum. And then we'll see about the oil changes. I, I think I'm going to have to take my my uh, skid plate off every time I change the oil. I think I'm going to have to change take my... I, I installed some motor guards on there. I think I'll have to take those off every time at least I do an oil filter. And I don't know if I'm going to do an oil filter every time. But anyway, I digress. This is my first 450 in about six years. Okay? And I've had so many people just bugging me, bugging me. Hey, you got to do a 450. You got to do a 450 again. And, and, and uh, here we are. A lot has changed in those six years since I owned a 450. Now, I, I get on people's bikes here and there, and so I have certainly ridden them. Most of the time I ride 450s, it's when you know I'm in a group with somebody and they want me to see how amazing their recluse clutch is, you know, and they have to have it on their 450 because they have one bike and they want to ride it in all the types of terrain. And let's just be honest, if you're going to ride a 450 in all the types of terrain, like the mountain single track and the nasty stuff, some of the nastier things that we have out here in the West, whether it's desert riding or mountain single track riding in Alpine Mountain, you're probably going to need an auto clutch on there because the bike will just not stay running in the lower RPMs and you're going to hate yourself and you're going to hate your life unless you have an auto clutch. So I would ride people's bikes, usually their 450s if they had an auto clutch. That's a whole different topic for a different day. Uh, but it's the first one that I've owned in about six years. So I started on a 450. It nearly snuffed out every bit of desire that I had to ride. I was hanging on by a thread and then I got a different bike. And, and, and that's the only reason we're having this conversation. And then a couple years in, I got a second 450. It was better. Uh, but uh, most of what has changed during the time in the 10, 11 years that I've been riding, the 450s haven't changed as much as I have. And so much of the change, most of the change has been me. And I think it's, I think it's worth, you know, kind of noting that as we ride and as we get more proficient on the bikes, what is a lot of what's happening is we're getting more efficient with our movements on the bike. And, you know, I'm certainly not a top level rider or anything, but I'm also not a beginner anymore. You know, in that first 450 that I had, it was like wrestling a bear. 
Um, it nearly snuffed out my desired ride. The second one was better, as I mentioned. You know, I went snowmobiling just a, a week and a half, two weeks ago with one of my uh, buddies, and I was on a, an amazing 2022 sled. It was it was uh, an Arctic cat on this one, and it, it, it was the nicest and most capable mountain uh, snowmobile sled that I've ever been on, and it's unbelievable. And they're getting closer and closer to kind of like a, a motorcycle feel, but there's so much of what I can tell I'm being inefficient with my movements on that machine. And it's making me way more tired and spending way more energy than I should be on that sled. And I can tell that because of my level of proficiency, whatever that is with dirt bikes, as I ride longer and longer, I find that I can go on longer rides and not get sore. It used to be in the early days of my riding, I'd go for one ride and I'd get sore. Or if I went for a day, I went for a, on a trip where we rode two or three days in a row, I could barely walk after that. Now I can ride four days of grueling, you know, long days, and I don't even come out sore at the end of it. Maybe muscles are a little tight, but I'm not sore where I'm like stiff and, and moving around like I'm a 90-year-old man. And so much of this is because of how efficient you gain efficiency on your bike. So now, starting my 11th year, depending on how we count, of, of riding dirt bikes, this Honda, this 2022 Honda CRF 450RX, it, you know, I kind of, as I was thinking about this podcast, I kind of had the, the image coming to my mind. Uh, you know that bully that you had from high school, or maybe it was that bully from elementary school or middle school or whatever, your prep school, your early days in your life. There, there might have been somebody who was bullying you. Maybe, maybe you were the bully. I don't know. But, but I think a lot of people can kind of resonate with this. Think about that bully from high school the one that beat you up, the one that intimidated you. They were bigger than you. They were taller than you. They were meaner than you. Now, in truth, we know now as adults, that kid was probably just hurting and he, you know, he needed some love and he probably had a hard life and he was, had insecurities and all these other things, but he was a bully then and he was scary. That person was scary. So now coming back to this 450, I start on the 450 and now a decade, a little bit, maybe more than a decade later, it's kind of like you come back to your old town and you come face to face with that bully this time. Now you're a grown up. Now you've got a job and a mortgage and you've got a wife and you've got kids. <laughs> this time you're not scared of him. This time you're looking at him eye to eye. Even if, even if you haven't gained height, you're still looking at that person eye to eye. You're looking at them without fear and without any pretense because you're grown up. You've gotten stronger. You've got confidence. And you know that this person isn't going to hurt you. In fact, the only way you know this person is going to hurt you is if you let them. And because of the experiences that you've had in your life, you're not going to let them hurt you. You're in control now. You're confident. And that makes all the difference. And that's kind of where I am with this 450, this third version, the, the third 450 that I have personally owned here in the last 10, 11 years, is it's like that, uh, that bully from high school. I'm not afraid of him anymore. There's, there's this kid, there's this kid that uh, kind of bullied me when I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I remember he pushed me up against the wall in sixth grade, and I was so terrified. I, I thought he was so mean. I thought he was so strong. He wasn't even that much bigger than me. But uh, his name was Preston. And I've thought so many times, and he made me cry. He took my dignity away in that hallway, in that little town in central Utah. And I let him do that. I should have just stood up to him 
and punched him back. I did, he didn't punch me, but he, I, he was threatening to punch me, and I was, I was too big of a chicken at that time. I've thought about that a thousand times, and I should have just fought him right then, right there in that hallway. And we probably would have been friends after that. At least he would have gained my respect, whether or not he beat me up or I beat him up. But if I could go back, I wouldn't let that happen again. And that's kind of how I am with these bikes. I'm not letting them dictate the terms anymore because of the experience that I have as kind of a little bit of more of a grown up in dirt bikes. And my experience is different because of that. And so I'm really enjoying my time on the 450. Now we'll get in to... I'll talk a little bit about who this bike is for, who it isn't for. But I first want to say, hey, Honda, props to you guys. I weighed this bike. I didn't go on Honda's website to see how much they said it weighed. I got the bike and it had, I weigh, I put it full of fuel. It has hand guards. It has like a little mud uh, guard. It's not like, I wouldn't really call it a, a, a skid plate. It's like a kind of a half skid plate mud guard type thing. It's got a beefy kickstand on it. Um, and I weighed it, I think at 249 pounds, I'll just double check on on my website. If you want to find, I don't have a good spot for this to live, but if you go to my website, dirtbikechannel.com, you click on, it's just under the menu of past winners. And then I've got a drop down there of dirt bike weights. And yes, it was 249 pounds. Um, it's got a big, you know, a bigger fuel tank. Honda listed it at 250 pounds on their website, full of fuel, ready to ride. And I was like, dang Honda, that was the, like the best the closest thing I've ever seen. So good on you, Honda, for doing that. The flag style hand guards, the lightweight mud guard, the beefy kick stand, the 18-inch rear wheel, full of fuel, full of fluids. I had it at 249. Honda has it at 250 on their website. Good for you guys, Honda. So let me drive this point home before I really get into what I think about the bike, how I've felt about it in the first couple of rides. I just want to still, I'm not, I, I haven't changed Here's one thing I haven't changed my opinion on. I still know, and I want to drive home the point, that these 450s, any of them, whether it's the Honda, the Kawasaki, the Yamaha, the KTM, the Suzuki, these 450s are the worst possible bikes for beginning riders. If you are on the search for your first bike, or even your first bike in 10 years, maybe you rode 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, or 20 years ago, this is not the bike for you to go out and buy. Don't do it. Don't go out and buy a 450 bike as your first bike. And I honestly don't think you should buy a 450 as your second bike. Unless you've been riding for 10 years ish, seven, five, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. There is more power here than any mere mortal needs. There's only a few people on the planet that can actually tap into most of the potential of these 450s and they're being paid. They have multi-million dollar contracts. Let me, let me let, just let that sink in for a minute. And I am a firm believer of that. There's only a handful of people, somewhere around 10 on the planet, that can ride these bikes to their full potential. Now, honestly, a lot of the other bikes I ride, still, there's, there's only a handful of people on the planet that can ride a 250 to its full potential. But you get what I'm saying. It's there's so much more power here than any of us will ever need. Now, sometimes that power is amazing. You know, like, like even just the other day when I rode the bike out in the desert, I found a scenario, a hill climb, a big, long hill climb where that power was so much fun. We had this big kind of sandy hill climb and it was absolutely incredible. I've been out there a couple times on a couple different motorcycles, a couple different bikes. This 450 
on that hill climb, it was the most fun of any bike. It's just like, it's so, it's so fun to have that much power. Most of the time, you don't need that much power. On most rides, on any bike I'm on, whether it's a 125 two-stroke, 300 two-stroke, 254 stroke, 454 stroke. Most of the time I'm at 40% throttle and under realistically, you know, we, we don't need a million pound, a million horsepower. Uh, but sometimes it is really fun. And for certain types of riding, it's better than others. You know, the, the truth is the more power the bike has and the bigger, the motor it has, the more centripetal, centripetal motion it has this energy, this gyroscopic energy, it will keep the bike standing up straight. It takes more energy to turn it. It takes more energy to put input into that bike and into that frame and with that motor. And it takes more energy for us to hang on to it. Now, they have done a really good job of centralizing the weight on a lot of these bikes and they've gotten better and better. And I feel like each year they or each time they, they make a new version of these bikes, they get a little bit better, a little bit more capable, a little bit easier to ride, a little bit better balanced. But let's be honest, let's be honest, this is still a high compression four-stroke and it will stall easier than any two-stroke bike will in the low RPMs. I don't care if you have a YZ125, a KTM 125, as as long as we're talking about these full-size bikes and I say a 125 two-stroke and up, they're all full-size bikes, all the way up, these bikes stall easily in the low RPMs. So yeah, if you're 4,000 RPMs or 5,000 RPMs on your 450, it's not going to stall. But oftentimes, you can't be at 5,000 RPMs on a 450 because now you're into the meat of the power where you've got 30 freaking horsepower or something, and you can't take 30 freaking horsepower through a nasty section at three miles an hour. You will have to drop your RPMs down, and then you'll stall the bike. And the instant that these wheels, the instant that that rear wheel encounters anything that slows it down when it's under, I would say, about 3,500 RPMs, the bike will stall. I've seen it already multiple times and it stalls in an instant. I have, I have a, a, I clip on, you know, my, my point of view camera where I've got this, I'm kind of hitting this ledge. I'm going up a hill, hitting a ledge and I'm covering the clutch, but I haven't begin to pull the clutch in when my rear tire hits that ledge. It's about an 18 foot le- or 18 inch ledge. The bike stalls, it goes from running at, I would guess, 3,000 RPMs to zero RPMs in less than five frames of the camera. I know because I'm a video editor. I'm like one, two, three, four. By five frames, which is one-sixth of a second, the bike goes from 3,000 RPMs at least down to zero. They stall easily you got to ride them differently. If you're going to be in technical terrain, which I haven't really gotten into any technical terrain on this bike, it's going to drive you nuts. They have a decent amount of engine braking on these 450s. It has more engine braking than any bike I've got right now, but all the other bikes I have are two strokes. And so, but but it's not a terrible amount of engine braking. You can use engine braking if you want, but it's, it should go as a note that all of these manufacturers are trying to get less engine braking on their 450s and on their 250s because they don't, they want, you're either on the gas or you should either be on the gas or on the brake. You shouldn't be off the gas and not on the brake if you were in like a race situation or trying to like save time anywhere. And so for me, what I do, and one of the ways I can switch easily back from two-stroke to four-stroke or more easily than some is because I'm not using engine braking. Engine braking to me is not a thing that I want to use. I use the engine for speeding up and the brakes for slowing down. So that's what I do. That's my jam. 
So I try not to get into this habit or get in what, I mean, you can call it what you want. For me, it's a little bit lazy to use the engine braking because I shouldn't, in my mind, my engine is for speeding up and my brakes were for slowing down. So all that power is really fun, but it takes more of your energy. It will stall easier than the two strokes. Um, it'll be interesting to see when I get hope, because I'm hoping to get the 250 version of this bike. It'll be interesting to see if the, how the engine braking is different and if, it's, if they stall at different you know, rates or things like that. That's going to be interesting. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about the forks. The first thing I really want to mention, and, and I really want to praise on this bike are the forks. So they're the Showa forks. Now I'm sure I'm certain that they put some softer valving in here than, you know, as opposed to their motocross version, the forks are really good. It's been a long time. I might not have ever had Showa forks before. It, it might've been a Showa fork on the 2003 Honda CR250R that we had. But it was a motocross valving in the beginning when we had that bike and we had to change it out. We put gold valves in it. I had Kevin uh, Egbert from uh, Moto Experts work through that bike. And that was the best money that we spent on that bike. They might have been show of forks. I can't remember. These forks are, are great. I, <laughs> I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not going to revalve them. Um, I've only got two rides on those things. I haven't even touched a clicker yet. Now, part of that is because the clickers are... I hate it. I don't even know why they call them clickers if it's going to be impossible to turn. Your handlebars are typically right over the forks. And I, the, the way that I am comfortable with most of my bikes is I like to, as much as possible, center the handlebars over the forks in the center of the forks if I can. What that means is you can't get a freaking screwdriver in there. And so, yeah, I've got one of these. I've got one of these race tech I'm holding in my hands. This race tech, like, flat little screwdriver thing that looks kind of like a quarter, but it's got a little, you know, screw a little flat blade on the bottom of it to change, to change your clickers. Why can't we just put a finger clicker on these things? Come on, come on, put a finger clicker on these things. WP has this figured out, but no, basically nobody else. I don't know why Showa and WP, I mean, Showa and KYB why didn't you guys put finger clickers on these things? Come on. But anyway, part the other reason why I haven't changed anything, because I carry tools on my person all the time where I could take my bars off and easily adjust my clickers at that point. Um, but I haven't even felt like I wanted to. Like they've been good. I haven't been thinking about them. That's one of the things where I know, hey, this is this is good because if I'm not thinking about the forks or I'm not thinking about them doing something or giving me a lot of like nasty feedback into my hands or something like that, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And I really do like the forks. The bike feels very stable. It feels very straight line. I'm not getting deflection. I like the forks. I don't have any problem with them. And I'm, as I ride this thing more and more, I might say, I love the valving on this, you know, which is, which is pretty cool. Let's talk about the engine for just a minute. So it's a 450, man. This thing has got so much power. It's crazy. I haven't even played with the engine mapping switch right on your left hand side on your left thumb, you've got a couple different maps that you can use. There's three different maps already in the bike. So you've got like the basic standard map, you've got a, like a softer map, and then you've got a harder, like more powerful map based on what I can read in the, uh, in the, in the manual. You also have like a torque control. Um, there's a lot of like, it's a lot of electronic stuff. I mean, obviously it goes down into your, your ECU and I haven't played with that stuff yet. I really wanted to get a baseline feel of the motor. Let's just see how it, you know, see what your stock setup is. And that's how I've left it. 
And it feels like a really good balance of low-end grunt, and it pulls hard all the way up to the top. Honestly, and maybe this is the, you know, the just the human rider in me, I don't know why you'd want this to hit harder. You know, I just, <laughs> I don't know why. Like, you'd want more power than that. But I am interested in seeing how the softer mat feels. So the next, the next time or the time after that that I go out, I need to just, you know, I've just been enjoying riding the bike. I don't want to be fiddling with a bunch of different, you know, electronic things. I want to be out there enjoying a motorcycle a dirt bike. Some of the time I think we're overthinking it. I certainly felt like that at times with the YZ250FX that I had, the 2020, because you could you could play with all the mapping on your phone. And I think, I mean, it's, it's cool and it's good. And, and I prefer that over not having the ability to change maps. Don't get me wrong. But I think sometimes we can kind of get lost in the weeds on that. And so I, I've tried not to get lost on the weeds. I haven't played with my engine mapping yet. But now I probably need to start doing that with on my third ride, fourth ride, and just kind of seeing if I can tell the difference. So a lot of times on these some of these maps, I can't tell much difference. And sometimes a lot of times it'll be like, oh, there's the, there's the map in my head where it's like, this is the map where the bike runs good. And then here's the soft map, and it just runs like crap. And that has happened before. I haven't yet seen if I feel that way on this bike. We'll see. I go into these bikes with an open mind as, as obvious because one of the things this bike has been for me is a bike that makes me want to get out and ride. I've gotten really excited about riding it. Um, I haven't like the last bike that I set up. It was the gas gas uh, EC 300. I really like that bike, but I'm not super excited to go out and ride it because it's so similar to some of many of the other it's, 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 you know, it's a KTM 300 XEW with a different look on it and a different brake and a different like clutch master cylinder. So I haven't been super excited to ride that red bike. I like it. I like the way it looks. This one, I love the way it looks on the Honda. The only thing I don't love is just the the tank because it's got the desert tank. It's like a 2.1 gallon tank. It's kind of this kind of big bulbous black thing that goes up over the radiator. It kind of protrudes up out of the radiator, the fender. Yeah, the radiator shrouds. That's the only thing about the bike that I don't think looks good. And and that's really if you're comparing it to the motocross version. The motocross version has a super sexy, like, I don't know. I think it might be even an aluminum tank that barely protrudes up. Looks amazing. I want more, you know, capacity fuel. So I'm not complaining about that. Uh, but this bike looks amazing and it feels amazing to ride. And I've wanted to get out and ride it. And that's really, that's a, I can't tell you how much of a compliment that is. I've wanted to get out and go with that bike. And some of that is just because it's the frame. The frame of this bike, it's very rigid, but it's balanced. It feels like it's just, it's hard to describe. And I'm, I'm not one of those like dirt bike whispers, you know, that maybe you read in the magazines as a kid or even now that seem to be able to, you know, kind of break it all down and tell you why the bike feels stable or why it feels planted. I just know it feels different than like the Austrian bikes. There's a different feel to that frame. I can't quit I can't quite put my finger on it. It's rigid, but it's balanced and it's settled. It feels like I don't know, it just feels like it's absorbing everything and more it's almost like more of the suspension is being I don't know. I it's hard for me to say. All I know is I like it. It stays in shape. It feels planted. It feels like you stay, lab stay, stay stable. It feels like it stays straight in the bumps. And it isn't, it's kind of resisting having the back end getting kicked out. Now, a lot of that is bike setup with like 
sag and rebound and compression, you know, on your shock. And I'm just basically right in the baseline. I'm pretty much right the weight, exactly the weight for this bike. You know, I'm 160 pounds without before my gear right now. Then with my gear, I'm probably 190. By the time I got tools and water and boots and helmet and, you know, my pack weighs 20 pounds. So, so I'm, I'm at least 30 pounds heavier because my pack is almost 20 pounds, depending on the day. It's between 15 and 20 pounds. And then all the other boots are six, you know, or no boots are 10 boots are 10 pounds, all that stuff. So I'm at least 190. I'm between 190 and 200 when I've got all that stuff on. And I was like a half turn away on the, on my shock preload to get to 105 millimeters. So they have it set up kind of like a baseline. And usually on these bikes, I'm one half. I'm either a half to one and a half turns away on any of these bikes with my gear and all this stuff on. So I know that, you know, this bike is kind of set up for a person who weighs about what I do with all my gear on. I think they're, I think they're, they're springing this bike for somebody a little bit heavier than me. Who's going to go do motocross or desert race or whatever. But because I'm typically carrying more stuff, more water than most people, I think tools, cameras, all this stuff, my pack is probably a little bit heavier than the average pack. And that puts me right back up in there. And this bike, it's just, it's really stable and it's really nice. I'm very interested to see if the 250 version of this bike feels the same, if it feels just as rigid, if it feels just as planted. I'm even talking like through the whoops. I have, generally speaking, I have more confidence going through whoops not that I do like super cross whoops or anything like this, but you get them out in the desert. You get breaking bumps. You get whoops coming out of corners. You get whoops out in the, you know, the open spot. They're always different heights and they're different, different, different distances apart and everything. So it's not like a super cross whoop section or whatever, but you, you know what I mean? You're talking about these, these whoops that you see out in the desert and different places. I'm more confident going through a set of whoops, typically speaking on these uh, four-stroke bikes because they don't kick out as much. They just kind of stay straight a little bit better. It gives you a little bit more confidence. And and honestly, if you if most of your riding is faster, third gear and up, I know why people like two like four strokes over two strokes. Because I'm sitting there thinking if most of my riding was third gear and up, four stroke would probably be better for me. And so there's a ton of guys out there that are saying that. Now, I love two strokes because so much of my riding is slower. First gear, second gear, third gear. Most of my riding is third gear and down. Most of my riding is in se- between second and third. First, second, third, for sure. This bike is not going to be a good first and second gear bike, at least not as good as a, a two stroke would be. But it is fantastic in third and fourth and fifth. I haven't been on the bike hard in fifth gear. I've just been doing transitions and I wish it had a five speed. Let's go right into that. I mean, I wish it had a six speed. They put the five speed transmission. They did the least amount of work that they possibly could. It's got the same transmission as near as I can tell as the motocross bike. I wish they would have put a six speed in there and I wish that they would put a little bit wider gear spacing. This bike has so much power, you could easily have a little, you know, a few more percent, five more percent spacing, maybe, I don't know, 10 more per, even if you weren't going to do a six speed, you could have at least given us different gear ratios between the gears to stretch this thing out so that the top speed is faster. Not that I need to go 90 or whatever, but I just want to have a lower RPM and make it so that that sixth gear out there is an overdrive 
or at the, the fifth gear up there is kind of like a half overdrive. They could have done that, but they didn't. And that's the problem when you're riding this bike in wider open spaces. If you're a desert racer, I mean, you can't tell me that even if you're a desert racer, you can't tell me that a six speed wouldn't be nice to just get out there and lug and let the bike lug at 65 miles an hour or 70 miles an hour. You're going to be high RPMs on this bike in any of those wider spaces. And I just think that they, they kind of whiffed there a little bit because they could, there's enough power on a freaking 450. You can put any gear ratio you want on that thing. Now, Evan will say, you know, people will say, oh, just change sprockets. Changing sprockets doesn't change the ratio between the gears. And they could do that. They could have done that. They didn't. So while I have, and on my second ride, this came into play. Uh, it wasn't that big of a deal though, because it was the end of the ride when I was kind of getting back to the truck with my son and it was cold enough that we weren't going fast. But if we had been going fast, it would have been an issue because I'd have been like, you know, wanting another gear or whatever. So why not space it out more, especially when you've got that much power? I honestly don't know. So I don't know what, I don't know why they, they don't do a little bit. There's a few things that Yamaha and Honda and Kawasaki could do, especially on these four stroke bikes that wouldn't cost them anything that would make the bikes better and just differentiate them a little bit more from the motocross bikes. And I wish that they would do that. So we'll see. We'll see if they change. I bet you they won't change it now, but I but I think they could, and I and I honestly think that they should. Hey, if you want to support this podcast or support Dirt Bike Channel, the the you know the YouTube channel, one of the best ways you can do it is by using my links to Rocky Mountain ATV. I love that method. If you go to dirtbikechannel.com, there's a section right along the top of the menu that says Shop Rocky Mountain ATV. What that does is it uses my referral code and puts a tracking cookie in your browser. Um, I can send you a link that you can bookmark if you want. It has to have the little 1017 thing at the end. So if you just go, if you go click my link and then bookmark it, it's not doing any good because you have to have the tracking cookie, the tracking piece at the end of the URL in your bookmark. If, if you want to do it that way, send me an email. I can send, I can, you know, Kyle at dirtbikechannel.com. I can, I can hook you up with the bookmark if you want. But the great thing about that is Rocky Mountain ATV stocks a ton of stuff. They have fast shipping. They have great selection. They have great prices and it, it's a win-win. It, uh, it's not going to cost you any extra, but it'll help support Dirt Bike Channel and it pays for these bikes. It pays for the the tires and, and the protective parts and all this stuff. And then I turn around and I give the bikes back to you in the sweepstakes. So thank you so much for doing that. You can also pick up some Dirt Bike Channel, uh, Dirt Bike Channel gear over at dirtbikechannel.com. Usually I tell you to wait on those until we're having a sweepstakes. I'll probably, probably, probably have a sweepstakes in March. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. I think I might try it this year at the end of each quarter. So maybe March and June and uh, September and then uh, December. So uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking in my head right now. But anyway, thanks so much for your support. Loving this bike. There's going to be a ton more stuff on it. And uh, I will get into what I really think of this bike in a couple months when I do the full review. So thanks so much and leave a single track.